Hello and welcome to the GMBN podcast. Today we're joined by two OGs of the dirt jumping scene in the UK. Steve Gill, who has very kindly joined us, and our very own Chris Smith. Welcome to the show. Steve, you seem to have had a rich and varied career, not least as work as a stuntman in movies like 101 Dalmatians, but also 1998's world champion and British champion, champion in BMX Ramp, also a previous world record holder for the bunny hop. Where did it all begin for you? Uh, well, I suppose it's through my dad, really. My dad rode uh, for Rickmans and stuff, like motorbikes, um, and obviously he was a welder and stuff at Rickmans, so... He obviously put a few bits of metal together and made me the first bike and I was scooting around Horda where I used to live like from a pretty young age, probably three maybe even wow. before that. So yeah, it started pretty early. Because you have a similar background of kind of, you know, BMX, bicycle motocross, mm-hmm. it is very motor influenced. And you started on, was it Moto Trials? Yeah, a little bit of Moto Trials and then BMX and kind of that all sort of transgressed into mountain biking. So, yeah, it's a similar sort of thing to Steve, mm. messing around on bikes and then transferring it all across. Because that, you know, that term, BMX, bicycle motocross, mm-hmm. do you think that kind of mountain biking has kind of stolen its lunch a bit in the way that it's, it is now? It is kind of more, you know, how, how do you term BMX or dirt jump? What's, what's your, what's your uh, how, how did it end up like that for you? it's just progression really I think mm. like with everything um, it starts off as you sort of knew it when you were younger and then mm. you just see it change over the whole years and like to where it is now yeah. and that change has been pretty big like uh, with the BMX the bikes really haven't changed Yeah. Um, it's just the, ride, the style of riding and obviously the progression that's become on is pretty massive like. yeah huge but then if you look at the mountain biking as well where it's gone like the bikes we used to do the stuff onto the bikes now you can't even compare them yeah, they've got two wheels, that's probably about it. But, <laughs> yeah. like, they're so different. So what, different. And what do you, I mean, kind of send this to both of you. You both, obviously, you know, pretty, uh, you've, you've seen, seen a few summers mm-hmm. and you've kind of been around in the scene for a while. Now, like you said, BMX technology, I mean, with the frames, the geometry hasn't changed that much. But mountain biking, the bikes have changed drastically. Mm-hmm. But both sports have seen huge progression. Mm-hmm. So people often account that for you know, technolog- technological advancements in mountain biking. What do you count that for on BMX, Chris, and, and, and dirt jump? Um, I think I think the early days, the sort of the biggest inspiration for me was the like BMX movies, like we used to watch all the props, road falls and stuff, and I just saw like those moves you sort of replicated on mountain bikes, and then mm. we saw you turn up at a skate park on a mountain bike and people would be like, what the hell is that guy doing on a mountain bike in a skate park? And then you sort of adapted the mountain bike to be able to do those BMX-style moves, you know, like front brake for the steers, you could do bar spins and tail whips, and sort of those moves made sort of possible. Then people kind of, I don't know, maybe it like opened people's eyes to what we're riding a BMX. If you thought, oh, like a mountain bike's a bit more universal, you can ride street, you can ride skate park, you can ride dirt jumps on that bike. Yeah. And then we saw that change. And I think that kind of put took a little bit away from the BMX sort of scene. Definitely in our, you know, down our way, I saw the BMX scene sort of diminishing while some people were swapping across to mountain bikes and doing like trialsy, streety stuff on, on the mountain bikes. I kind of, that was a big swap for me. You yeah, because how was it for you, Steve, you know, coming from that ramp style of BMX riding, which was... Yeah you know way ahead of its time really on to mountain bikes what was your kind of what was your first foray into mountain biking like was it um basically yeah i had my bmx's i could do a fair few tricks i've obviously like from winning the worlds and the brits and stuff like you know you're, you're doing a few tricks on the old half pipes and ramps and stuff you know which 
you know, when I crossed over to like, I did a bit of mountain bike and got my first mountain bike because a few of my mates got one. That's pretty much then cycling to work because, yeah. you know, I'd left school, needed some transport, so I bought a mountain bike. That's the main reason, really, why I got one. But then I found, thought, well, why not do my BMX tricks on a mountain bike? Mm-hmm. And I went to, I think it was at Slough, the first photo shoot thing I did for like MBK, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that everyone couldn't believe, like, you do these tricks on a mountain bike. Like, wow, I've never seen anything like it before. Yeah. It's like, well, it's normal. Like, I do this on my BMX, <laughs> though. But I know what, it seemed like no one else had seen it, which is, like, really weird. And I just, I still think it's weird now, like, <laughs> looking back at it. But I suppose because no one's done it on a mountain bike, because they thought, oh, mountain bike, you just ride down a hill or go for yeah. a ride, with, you know, with a family or whatever. Yeah. And that's what they perceived a mountain bike as. They didn't realise you could do jumps and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, admittedly, it didn't last very long. They, <laughs> you know, they, they did break and the yeah. wheels weren't built for it and there's a few bits of cranks bent. But it was, yeah, it was just natural progression, I thought. You just yeah. do these tricks on a mountain bike. It sounds like something quite similar with Nikolai Rogatkin, who came to that slope-style scene maybe five, six years ago. And coming from a background of gymnastics and BMX... Mm-hmm. And he was doing, you know, 720s, I think, you know, I don't know how many times he's going around now. But everyone was just like, how has this not happened? Well, how are you doing this? And he was just like, well, how has this happened before? Yeah. You know, it seemed like a natural progression for him. I think athletes like Nikolai have got that real good mix, as you say, gymnastics. Mm. And so they've got really good, like, spatial awareness and their body movements and know where they are on his spin. I think once you've injected Mm. that into the years of BMX that Nikolai's done Mm. as well, it just adds a totally new element in there. I think back in the day, like, some of the gymnastics like um, Yannick Graneri he's a perfect example really good gymnast and trampolinist and mm. stuff like that he mixed that in with mountain biking and he was like a, always ahead mm. you know he knew he could do these multiple spins and double backflips and crazy front flips and things like that and you know he was a different level but I think it's that blend of everything but it's funny because with, even within our sport of cycling mm. the riders that started on BMX is everyone from you know Chris Hoy to a lot of like you know Aaron Gwynn mm. It does seem to be really, really good at getting your core. Did you guys ever race at all when you were younger? Or was it always kind of on the BMXs straight to... Yeah, I raced BMX and obviously the mountain bikes and stuff. And so cruiser as well, didn't you? Cruiser, yeah, I raced pretty much everything, to be fair. But mm. yeah, I, the BMX was cool, but it's got a bit of a younger age thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there wasn't really mountain bikes that were sort of worth riding or that I knew about back then. So mm-hmm. I just stuck to my BMX. Um, I did ride a bit of 24 cruiser class and stuff for a little bit but that was just after I got into the mountain bikes and stuff so I still had that sort of BMX power so I could still sort of use it on the cruiser and stuff for pretty good I think the only BMX race I did was actually when you roped me into a race down at Bournemouth I rode my mountain bike mm. it was a 24 inch mountain bike with 24 inch wheels um, yeah race there did alright I think I remember you with a gate dropping didn't it and it didn't drop and you got flipped over the bars and the gate landed on your arm <laughs> yeah. and you ran over your own arm and stuff. yeah that's <laughs> fun time yeah sounds like <laughs> an absolute pleasure because you just touched on something there 24 inch wheels in a mountain bike this is your man yeah because I believe you did that kind of pretty ad- early adopter mm. yeah there, there was a few guys dabbling with it and like because I'd come from BMX the 26 inch wheels were just horrendous you'd do a jump okay it's cool doing straight and tricks was fine but like any twist like 360s and stuff it's just so slow it mm. just turns so slow so I, I started to run 24s and stuff and there was a few other guys I think sort of back in the day like probably Rob Newman I think mm. rode 24s and a few other guys like Jimmy Jimmy Pratt but that was maybe a little bit later but <laughs> but yeah the 24s is a cool thing but it got to a point where it's like 
got to sort of move on a bit because everyone was sort of saying, oh, you're cheating, you're on a BMX. Like, yeah. And it's like, it's not a mountain bike. Exactly. I, exactly that. When I went to, I remember I went to Seattle, um back in like the early 2000s. I went to, I think John Cowan did a dirt jump competition there. And he was like super strict about, you have to be on 26 inch oh, wheels. Wow. And I'd ridden like for four years on 24 inch wheels, you know, like doing super fast bar spins and things like that. And then like, well, this comp's coming up. I got switched to 26 inch wheels and it was a massive like change for me. It just felt like going, it, I'm glad I did now, but back then it was just like, what, we've got to ride 26. It seems so different. For the uninitiated, mm -hmm. could you just explain in layman's terms for somebody, you know, a, a dirt jumper or a BMXer, what does a smaller wheel achieve and what does a larger wheel achieve? A small wheel rotates quicker, basically when you're spinning the bars or the bike's spinning, it's a shorter wheel base that's going to spin a bit quicker. The bars spin better because the mass of the wheel isn't as big, so you need better bar spin. So basically it's just, it just does make stuff slightly easier. The wheel clearance as well from your foot with a 26, you know, with the steep old style geometry on the, the mountain bikes you had, you'd buzz your foot on even for X ups, you buzz yeah. your foot on mm -hmm. your front foot on a on a wheel. Being so sideshow bob sort of. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with the twenty fours, that sort of eliminated that a bit. So it was it was a, a plus. There was a lot of pluses for it. Yeah. But then it got it did get to that point where it's like well, a lot of other guys are doing that now or with twenty sixes. Mm -hmm. So it's like yeah. you know you couldn't get away with doing That's it. That's been I think prevalent and all the way up to where we are today. Like I've had to adapt from, you know, riding with Steve, we were on 24, then it's obviously switched to 26, and you'd have to adapt those tricks to 27.5, then 27.5 plus, and then, you know, still having to do those tricks on 29-inch wheels now, and it has sort of changed, I think it's the progression of the bikes, you've had to adapt to the wheel sizes too. And without derailing this conversation too much, mm -hmm. and without getting everybody, you know, maybe there could be some tender feelings about, mm -hmm. and going into the wheel size, wheel size debate, you, you had a bit of downhill now, I'm right, thinking, you, you race a yeah. fair bit. Coming from somebody that was originally on a wheel that was almost a third less in terms of <laughs> size, are you, are you, have you kind of, do you like the 29s or? 29s are good, yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously rolls over stuff faster, it's a lot quicker, <laughs> and time's obviously showing that. Yeah. Um, I prefer the way it's sort of like a 27 and a half wheel feels because it changes direction a little bit quicker. <laughs> the 29's a bit slower. In corners and stuff, um, but overall, when you get used to it, you don't notice you got twenty nine. Yeah, like yeah. you just totally get used to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it's not really a problem after a while. No, so. for sure, I feel the same. I think I jumped from those different wheel sizes, twenty seven point five and twenty nine. And to be fair, I don't. I, I feel the twenty nine is faster, but I have more fun on a twenty seven point five. Yeah, I think. well, mm -hmm. fun is fast. Mm -hmm. So if we could kind of just kind of go back into that sort of you know, mid-90s dirt jumping scene. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, one of the reasons that dirt jumping, I think if you stopped a random person on the street, maybe not so much now, but definitely when I started riding, you said, you know, what is mountain biking? But I would think it was doing big jumps or riding along canal towpaths. They didn't really understand the concept of something like trail riding or why that would be fun. You know, you must have had huge exposure in terms of UK media especially. Mm -hmm. In terms of being kind of a, a pioneering dirt jumper, how was it like making a living in kind of in the UK? What, where, where would you kind of where would you where would your living come from? Um, from money from the sponsors and stuff like you get um, back then. I wouldn't say it was easier to get sponsored, but there was less people, good people at the time. Mm. Like you know, you try and sponsor someone now, and it's a minefield. There's so many good kids out there that really do deserve to get sponsored. 
Um, back in the day, the, yeah, there was a handful, uh, a few people that had a few titles and stuff. So obviously, you know, sort of deserved what they got at the time. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, you just had to ride some races, like be a privateer, go to races, and the teams that you ride, they'll they'll sponsor you. But yeah, that's moved on, obviously, from that now, and like. Instagram seems to where you get your sponsors from, Instagram is <laughs> so, huge, yeah. which I think is pretty weird, um, but it's the way it's going. So yeah, I think back there was back in the early days there was like the races, and then there was this new like emergency, which was like the dirt jump free ridey stuff. And if you were one of those early adopters, it kind of got you noticed a lot easier. Like I did my fair share of racing back in the day, four cross and a bit of downhill and things like that. But when I turned to like a dirt jump free ridey kind of rider, then you got that publicity yeah. I think the magazines picked up on that as well and that was a massive part of, I think both of our careers was like Max like MBUK and Dirt and things like that like we'd just go and do a big feature in there then the big companies would see you in there and then there's office some money to ride their bikes and you know just sort of a snowball from there really so and how was how strong was the UK scene what was the UK scene like it's good yeah, back <clears throat> from I don't know probably 98 mm-hmm. maybe onwards yeah it was pretty massive. Like the dirt jump scene was probably as big or better than like the main sort of downhill mm. whole mountain bike thing. Really, yeah. like everyone, everyone was jumping. Everyone there was so many trails about. Yeah, every set of woods you go and you see. Yeah, like there'd be some trails. trails. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> so it was massive, yeah. you know. And you know, every company pretty much did a jump bike. Yeah. I mean, what companies do now? There's hardly any. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was pretty massive back yeah. then. Or maybe they do a d- jump bike, but it's kind of one of those kind of staple bikes that gets updated. Yeah. once a decade mm-hmm. and you yeah. know it gets yeah. different colours every year yeah. Yeah. but why do you think there was such where, where, where do you think that the the core of the dirt jumping community all the kids that would, would find themselves on BMXs and do you think that they're kind of off into mountain biking do you think mountain biking is now offering something that dirt jumping isn't or do you think maybe mountain bikes have just got so good they can kind of do it all I think it was um, initially it's either how tall you were so yeah. like a BMX is at the time, didn't really make specific bikes for specific things like a trail bike, a park bike, and a dirt bike, which people do now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just one frame, and yeah. you had to do everything on that one frame. Yeah. And uh, as as a lot of mountain bikers will probably won't get it, but the BMXs, like the the, the increments on t- the top tube size, is tiny. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ride a bike, say like a twenty-one inch top tube bike. And then you go to 21.25, which is not a lot bigger. It feels so much different. Oh, really? So, like, the gap changes are so small, but it's so significant on the way it rides. So a lot of people back then, obviously, were getting off their small BMXs onto mountain bikes because they were a bigger size and found that they could ride trails so much better because it was way more stable. Yeah. Um, but now, obviously, you can get BMXs anything from sort of 19 up to 23 like even race i think race bikes might even be bigger than that mm. so you know there's a lot more versatility on what the bike's going to do whereas back in the day you'd sort of struggle on the one frame that they that's what they made yeah i yeah, think yeah. i don't know maybe snm made something that was slightly bigger i mm. think uh back in the day they, did, they had the dirt bike and then the holmes mm. which was the 21 first pretty much first 21 i think sort of dirt specific bike out there really but it's, it sounds similar to this kind of you know, conversation that's going on, getting bikes bigger, finally able to fit more mm. riders. And you're seeing riders like Greg Menard, whose results seem to go in the correlation to mm. frame size <laughs> in recent years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And imagine it must it must have been hugely frustrating, even if not appreciated at the time. I mean, someone like you're what, six foot Chris? Six yeah. foot one? Yeah. 
How was it for you, kind of getting? Did you have you kind of felt your riding's been unleashed getting onto onto bigger bikes? I was actually thinking about just that thing this weekend. Actually, I've just recently swapped to like a new Kinevo, which they've massively updated. So I ride an S4, which is the equivalent to last year's XL. And previously, I was just riding a large. But when I first started riding, I was always always going for those smaller bikes mm-hmm. because I come from that dirt jump background. You know, short top tube bars, big high ride bars, mm-hmm. and I was kind of used to that cockpit. But I think now I've adapted to those bigger bikes, and it does feel I don't know whether it feels it just feels more like comfortable you've got a lot more room but not necessarily better it just feels more comfortable do you know what I mean you've got room to move on the bike you're not all cramped up but I think trick wise for me I, I still quite like the smaller bike maybe yeah. it's just because of what I've been used to for the odd you know 15-20 mm. years yeah. I don't know about it's going you. back I think it's going back to that now mm. um, I, I the same as Chris from, coming from BMX and stuff I, I thought well, I'll just get the smallest mountain bike I can get because <laughs> yeah. I'll be able to do everything it would feel nice and it's like couldn't be any more wrong it still feels horrible because it's not bmx but (laughs) it it was a bit more stable but for years i went buying mediums when i should have gone large and the difference it makes going to the right bike for you is amazing on a mountain bike because when you first got into mountain biking then you know coming over from bmx's were you going for the extra smalls how was that working out? You used to ride no. a woman's bike, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, was that just ride a ladies, yeah, 8.75, yeah. Oh, yeah, perfect. When I was doing the bunny ops and stuff. I imagine it was either purple or teal, because some things never change. It was actually that's, a mixture. It was, silver yeah. and teal. <laughs> silver and teal, yeah. So but that's just, you know... Best of both worlds. Yeah, they're just, you know, mountain biking industry. There are two colours, the only mm. two colours women <laughs> like, yeah. purple and teal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was specifically for dirt jumping and the bunny op thing, really. Yeah. The smallest bike they did at the time. The gents' bike wasn't quite small enough. Yeah. So yeah, we went down the ladies' route, as it were. So so, but they were good at the time. It was good, mm. and it, it obviously it didn't look like a ladies' bike, you yeah. know. Um, but it, no, yeah, it top good, tube. Yeah, yeah, basket. <laughs> all that didn't have any of that. But no, it's yeah, it was it was good. But then you realise when I bought my first full suspension bike, I bought uh, I think I bought a small, and I got on it and I thought this doesn't seem right but I, 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 had, I think I had it for like a year and a half yeah. two years I thought oh, I'll get something bigger and then I got some, a couple of mediums and it still didn't feel right mm. and the first year I got a large I thought this is horrendous it's massive but yeah. this, I just gained so much speed from riding that large because mm. it fitted me better and it just felt a lot more stable and it's just, it just a better bike all around mm-hmm. because do you th- I was talking to Martin last week about you know, being able to identify riders with a trials background on their mountain bikes. Now, apart from sometimes you do see riders with a BMX background who seem to have 780 bars, but then holding them at 600 wide. Mm. <laughs> apart from that, can you guys tell people with a strong dirt jumping background yeah, yeah, on a yeah, mountain yeah. bike? Yeah. Out on the trail, I think real good thing about like BMX and skate park riding and street riding is being able to like manipulate the ground and like every single landing mm. you're like, hitting, yeah, you're pumping mm. the ground, you're hitting that landing perfectly, the shape in the air, the confidence... It's just like, I think, skate park and street mm. and trials it should be like a staple backbone yeah. for riding. Could, if you had a section, probably foot 50 foot long, a section of like a route section with maybe a couple of whoops in and stuff, and you sent 10, 10 riders down there, you could probably pick them out, the, the BMXs out of the mountain bikers. Yeah. Because the mountain bikers would just be trying to pedal through everything. <laughs> And, I'll be you know, hand up they, yeah. and the BMXs probably wouldn't even pedal. No. They'd just be finding backsides to pump and land, pick up over stuff, and it's, it's yeah, you'd, you'd tell. And if you had, because well, you've got a young lad. Mm-hmm. Have you got you got any kids? No, no. no. If you had you, you're a young lad, would you be 
kind of sort of encouraging him to BMX or yeah, trials or trials motors. BMX yeah all that stuff I think is as I say it's a real good it's a massive backbone for me I think some you've got some amazing riders who have come from trials alone I think you know big names like Chris Ackrig for example is an absolute mm-hmm. machine you know and his trials background is still prevalent now and he's adapted that to you know I think he's national downhill champ and masters and it's Video segment still to this day. Still amazing. Yeah, yeah, still amazing. And that power and the bike skill that he's got from trials is a massive part of that. Mm. Yeah, because when, when talking to you guys, mm-hmm. similar when I was speaking to Martin last week, I had an overwhelming sense that I had wasted all of my time <laughs> in the talking to Martin about his the basic trial skills. Yeah. And talking to yourselves about, you know, and you do see videos of kids that, you know, maybe riding for a couple of years, but their brain's like a sponge at that mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. I had a misspent youth playing ball sports, so I can subsequently pick up a, like a ball sport really, really easily. But I didn't come into riding mountain bikes until when I was 18, right. 17, 18. Is it too late for me? Should I just be getting on a dirt jump bike, getting some wide-cut jeans, starting a bonfire and riding, riding dirt jumps on my Saturday afternoons? I think a misspent... I'd say it definitely <laughs> is a You definitely have youth. the wrong jeans on. <laughs> <laughs> you want some skinnies on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shows are behind the times I really am, eh? <laughs> but, but I think, like, for me, like, every spare minute, literally, I was riding my bike, be it sort of, as I say, street trials in all these different disciplines, be it after school, taking a bike away on holiday was all bike time, and I think it just does... You're the same, aren't you? You've ridden, like, every spare yeah, minute and... Yeah all the way up to, you know, to where we are today, like riding every spare minute. It's just going to give you those skills. It's definitely harder, mm. but you can get someone who's 18 who's quite naturally gifted on a bike yeah. and can just come in and <laughs> you think, oh, he's been only riding for a year and he's doing that. So, well, you know, there's people that, are, that can do that. But, yeah, a lot of other people have to work at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think it helps the more you ride, obviously, the better, more bike time you've got, so the better you're going to be. Yeah. A lot of people are more confident than others, so that... That sort that of takes that side as well. Mindset, if you're not yeah. confident on a bike and you come into 18, you, you know you're not going to do as well as someone who is. Yes. So yeah. it make there's a lot of things that sort of a give, bit of give and take to it that, yeah, sure. that can make you better. And speaking of confidence, either misplaced or otherwise, brakeless on BMX. What's your two opinions on it? Starting with you, Steve. Um, it's when you see some of the edits of the top guys riding. You know, like Dennis Ennison, Chad Curley, and all these guys. It's phenomenal what they do. It's amazing because, like, you know, I struggle to do stuff with a brake half time, <laughs> and like you see them doing it with no brakes, or like these nose manuals and like the street lines they do. It, it is amazing. But the but the, the bad side for me, and it's probably because I'm getting a bit old and all that lot now, is that kids riding no brakes on the street. Um, you just can't do that. There's too much that can happen. Like, yeah, pe- people have. You obviously lost their lives and stuff riding bikes with no brakes. Mm. And that's not good. Mm. Like, if you, if I know it's going to happen and whatever, but riding in a park with no brakes, I've I've done that. It's not a problem. But yeah, you haven't got a bus or a car coming out yes. of the side road, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's how you want to make it. Like, mm. if you want to ride your bike with no brakes, fair enough, you do that. But I don't think that's right. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think it's cool is like if you were you've already got those skills with the brake like for instance just a basic yeah. skill like a tire tap if you can do it with a brake and then you do some other tricks you know like passing to tire tap to really advance it then you go back take your brakes off and challenge yourself by removing the brakes it becomes another thing but I think if you're trying to learn those skills mm-hmm. it becomes super super hard and mm-hmm. you get probably pretty yeah. annoyed with it and chuck your bike and not yeah. learn that skill whereas I think it's just a 
progression in your riding is to learn all that stuff with a break and then learn with, without a break. Mm. You know, it's a challenge rather mm. than trying to learn to do a massive manual without a break. It's cool, but I think it's the wrong way around. Like, yeah, I mean, it's something that we on the channel have dabbled with, with mm. the death grip thing, and it is an idea that really does captivate, captive, I'm sorry, capture people's imagination. I remember seeing an edit of Matt McDuff around Barcelona, breakless, yeah. I think on a 24-inch... Maybe even 26 inch. And it was just amazing. And there is something about that as sort of an artistic endeavour that really does, it speaks to the viewer and it it Uh, really compels people. The bike looks cool, no brakes. It looks Mm. cool. Like it's just just simple lines and stuff. It's just uncomplicated. So it does make the thing look cool. And like, yeah, I mean, ride, I've ridden BMX and stuff a fair bit, like with no brake. And it's, you've got to think even more you know further ahead than what you do obviously with a break even stuff comes up quickly at, at you with a break you know it's twice as fast yeah you can't you can sort of like well you, it's almost like you spent years of trying to pump stuff whereas with no break you're trying to not pump stuff <laughs> trying to take that speed away yeah um so it is another form of riding it's completely different mm-hmm. but Again, it's like, amazing yeah for sure and i think the guy we've already talked about Acric, he did a a brakeless edit as well on his trials bike. Yeah. Trials without brakes yeah. is a total different league again, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to get that balance point without a brake for trials moves and landing with no brake to another, you know, hopping around mm-hmm. without a brake is definitely pretty cool, you know. It's, it's definitely comparable to those top PMX edits that you see. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, speaking of names, I mean, yeah, like Chris Hackrick, mm-hmm. who are your riding heroes? I'm thinking, like, the, the big names like Dave Mirror, Matt Hoffman, were they kind of very yeah. kind of omnipresent for you, looking yeah. over the pond, or perhaps yeah, yeah, Mirror and Hoffman, like over here, the guys the sort of top used to ride with, like um, Jason Davis, uh, Simon Tabron, Jamie Bestwick, obviously moved to America and did, did pretty well, I think. Um, so yeah, just just them really, just people I used to ride with, but were just slightly better than me, and like would do stuff. I wasn't, I don't know, I wouldn't, you know. I was obviously fairly good back then, but then Jamie, they'd just push it to another level where I wasn't sort of probably willing to sort of go that far and like I didn't want to sort of crash and hurt myself. And, um, you know, like, it's, yeah, it's a hard one to say, but like obviously Tabron and Jamie were pushing it pretty hard back then as a few other guys, but, yeah, they, maybe them, like most of the Americans, because you used to buy the American mags, like Freestyling Magazine and back in the day and just look at all their, all the American stuff, like Todd Anderson, uh, Mike Dominguez, Eddie Fiola back in the day. Just all the, it was all BMX really. I never really had any sort of mountain bike heroes, I wouldn't say. Yeah. Um, but when I crossed over, obviously I got to sort of learn and sort of know about Steve Pete, Rob Warner and all that lot. So, I imagine yeah. you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and obviously the Martins and stuff yeah. through the trials and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah you, you sort of got to know it, but they weren't necessarily my heroes as sort of BMXer because I, I was just looking up to BMXers then yeah. so I wasn't really interested in the mountain bike thing mm-hmm. but when I crossed over you sort of you, you find a few you know yes yeah. Yeah, I bet you do for me I think it was definitely more mountain bike I think uh, in the early days you know I think guys that stood out for me from the BMX side was like Van Homan Corey Nostagio people like that they were like the last sort of people like sort of uh, heroes from BMX but then it went more mountain bike for me so People like Steve Pete, Rob Warner, Martins, a lot of the UK guys because I just saw how much sort of fun they were having back and in the day. If you were kind of, well, what what section of the scene, be it BMX, mm-hmm. trials, mm-hmm. Um, dirt jump, downhill, enduro, what kind of sub genre of mountain biking really inspires you to ride 
today in 2019? Still the still the jumping, like the dirt jump scene. Like I think your first love is a precious thing, you know. In yeah, terms yeah, of, it is. In terms I, of inspiration, I, yeah. I way prefer doing that than anything. Like even now, the last couple of years, I've been I've got another sort of hard down, just been riding jumps again, and it's honestly like I've been born again. It's like yeah. it's mental. I love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love riding a bike. If someone said they're going to the trails, I'm there. Yeah, you know and. It's just the same, like, like like Jimmy Pratt. The same, like it's it's really crap that his back's bad and stuff at the moment. But mm. you know, hopefully he'll he'll sort that out and get back on it. But there's nothing better than seeing Jimmy go through some trails. He's got a little guy, you know, Jeremy Co. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of digs up his place at Leatherhead, and like, he's got the same style as Jimmy, mm. you know, like Ralph Bags and that like all up there. It's just sick to watch. Like it's just they just pull back and go so high. It's just it just looks cool, you know. Yeah. It's right. amazing to watch people, yeah, still like flowing through trails. I still love watching all the guys like at Crankworks and stuff. Like if you watch Reader or Semenek or Rogatkin, I think at Crankworks is still like mind blowing the stuff they're doing. But I think for me, like I think Rampage, that style of riding is always going to be key for me. Like that going big and yeah. with tricks and style and that, I think is and what I look forward to. If Rampage had come 10, 15 years mm-hmm. earlier, or perhaps your careers had come 10, 15 years later when you were sort of had, you know, reckless abandon, mm. a young guy looking at Rampage. Yeah. Would you guys have been keen for that? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. definitely think you would. I mean, we talked about your kind of yeah. background in free ride. Yeah. And, and yourself? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, when I was living in Froome and stuff, me and Chris used to always go and find out the stupidest thing to ride down or do stuff. <laughs> yeah. And like, we'd, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff was pretty stupid, then, to be yeah, fair. Back, back then, <laughs> on the bikes we were on, yeah. like, it was a bit stupid. But, yeah, yeah we, we did it. I'd love to. I mean... It looks pretty gnarly now, to be fair, mm. like the big gap stuff, but that's obviously progression on the yeah. on the bikes yeah. and stuff. Bikes but well, yeah. there's no reason why you couldn't ride down that stuff or the, the original site they had. Like, mm. you could make a line down, not a problem, I don't think. Yeah. It's funny, because you have some people like Brett Reader mm-hmm. or Emil Johansson, perhaps, who are obviously fantastic bike handlers. Yeah. But the first, I mean, especially in the case of Reader, mm. first Rampage, I think even he would say that he was kind of out of his element a bit. Yeah. And it really, really challenged him. Mm-hmm. How would you even prepare for an event like that? Based in southwest of the UK, what would you even do? You know, go and ride my quarry. No, yeah. <laughs> go quarrying. Geologist Chris, Chris, yeah. Chris, back out with a vengeance. <laughs> yeah. um, I just think you just need. If I was going to ride rampage like this year, for instance, I would have ridden a downhill bike for the last year. Yeah. I would have ridden bike park jumps. I would have went literally any style mm. of riding. You know, be it BMX or trails or yeah. going. You know, downhill riding. Just. You just have to go and hit the biggest stuff. Mm. You'd just be 100% confident with that bike. Yeah. Even like, I know it sounds weird, but you'd have to get confident. Even like riding it on the street, just confident going into like a drop and like 180 off of it or mm. trying 360 in the street. And just knowing that bike inside out and just that be your go-to bike for that whole year is the only way you're going to... And I think there's a real thing that you have to be careful of with training for something like Rampage is by doing that big stuff over and over again, all right, you need to be comfortable with it, but within that becomes a massive risk. It doesn't even need to be you fail, you know, crash, or you can just slip a pedal, smash your shin, or drop a foot and crank, you know, roll over your foot and break your ankle. It's, it's massive risk. And to be able to, you know, take all those risks and get it in ready to go for Rampage is something, you know, mm. in, its, in its own already, you know? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, you want to be 100% confident that bike. Especially <laughs> yeah, big every day. But as I say, you just need to make sure you arrive there. That's the other thing. You yeah. need to like maybe wind it down now and again yeah. just to make sure. But 
definitely being comfortable. Yeah. Swapping and changing bikes all the time, like from BMX to mountain bike, mm. that you couldn't do it because no. it, the bike feels just tiny. You know, yeah. you get on a BMX, it just feels so twitchy where the head angle's so steep. Yeah. Um, that's, that's another reason why I got another jump bike. Mm -hmm. um, just for, for trails, like from riding my, my big bike to sort of like a jump bike, it's a less bigger gap to, to drop to. Mm -hmm. So it just feels more comfortable. Yeah. Um, BMX, I struggle, like I can get through stuff, but I don't feel confident. Like uh, when I get on my jump bike, 26 inch wheels, it just seems, it just seems way more confident. It's just something I'm more used to riding. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, it just feels a lot better. So I can I can imagine that would be the same thing for something like that. I remember actually going to I rode um, I was at a skate park actually just riding a foam pit on my big bike just to dial in some tricks. I think I was trying to like learn suicide three sixties on a downhill bike. I got them dialed, but then I was like, that's enough. I'm tired of slogging this big bike around the skate park. So I got my jump bike out, dropped in down the rolling, and I remember being so close to going over the handlebars just on the compression no at the bottom of the rolling because the head angle was so much steeper mm. and the forks were so much stiffer. It felt like my forks like snapped pretty much. It just like, went back underneath. I was like, "Oh my god, this is just totally alien!" And yeah. just putting it in the car and going home. <laughs> it's weird. And and you know, with that, I just want to say thank you very much for no all your insight in dirt jumping, BMX, mountain biking, no. and otherwise. No worries. If you want to listen to this podcast, you can also check it out on all your normal streaming services, be it Spotify, iTunes, what have you. Thank you very much. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you all.